Welcome to the Rodolfo Rivas Project, a podcast about remarkable individuals in international Geneva and beyond. This is a very special episode, since we get to speak to a colleague of mine, Alejandro Garcia. He's currently a partner at Clyde Co. in the UK. At one time in my career, he provided some really good advice, and I hope you can also learn from him in this conversation. Uh, he talks about his beginnings in Chile, his uh, experience at Harvard Law School, his experience in Geneva, and now in London. We hope you enjoy the show. Take it away, Alejandro. Thank you for joining us. I'm here with my colleague, uh, Alejandro Garcia. He's uh, one of the first uh, colleagues I really looked up to in my international career when I arrived to Geneva. We worked together at, at WIPO, and he was one of the first colleagues that I really looked up to. He had just concluded his LLM uh, in Harvard, and I asked him for some advice, and he kindly provided it. And that advice put me on a path that I really... I, I think I owe him for this, and we'll get into this, uh, but I also just want to give this brief introduction, and more importantly, I want to hear from his experience, how he got here, his experience in London, in, in the U.S., and also here in Geneva, and I hope you like it. How are you today, Alejandro? I'm doing well. Thank you very much, Rodolfo, for the kind introduction, and, uh, um, and, and thank you for... Um, Well, um, the reference to me um, being, uh, I suppose, someone who gave you some uh, advice for your career. Hope it was useful. Uh, <laughs> I can see you're happy here in Geneva. So uh, I've been around, uh, as uh, Rodolfo mentioned, uh, first. Um, so I'm a Chilean national. Uh, I studied law first in Chile. Then uh, I did an <clears throat> LLM at Harvard Law School in the United States. Uh, worked one year in the United States, uh, then one year in Geneva at the WIPO Arbitration and Mediation Center. And, and that's where I met you. That's yeah. where we met, uh, and that's where I gave you that sound advice. <laughs> and uh, then uh, after WIPO, um, I, I went to London. I've been in London um, since September 2017, so that's been a long time there. And so I, I've been traveling and, and doing, I suppose, many different things. I'm now a partner at the law firm uh, at the British law firm, Clan Co. It's a British, uh, we qualify that because it's uh, all the British, it's an international law firm. Yeah, I saw that it's, uh, the headquarters are in, in the UK, in London, Correct. but it's a global law firm now. Oh, that's what we want to say. Just <laughs> we have uh, 50 offices around the world, um, around 1,800 lawyers. Um, and sort of a, a global footprint. Uh, we do quite a bit in Latin America, but also CAS, Asia, uh, North America, so really uh, 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 Africa. So we have a global um, footprint, I would say. Um, and sort of, yeah, it has been a, a long way since I le left Chile in 2004, if I'm not mistaken. Well, thank you for that introduction. I'll just, uh, let's go a bit uh, back. 
I want to hear a bit about your upbringing. You are originally from Santiago, Chile? Uh, no, no. I was um, on the side of my father. Um, I am from uh, Punta Arenas, which is in Punta the Arena. south in Patagonia. And I was born in Punta Arenas. I lived there until I was uh, about seven. Then we moved to Santiago. One of the reasons was uh, the weather in, in, in Punta Arenas is very rough. It's very cold. It snows. Uh, very windy. Uh, and so my mother, being from the central region of Chile, where the, the, the weather is far more benign, um, it never got used to Punta Arenas. So ten year, after 10 years living there, so she, she, decided, she, well, well, she persuaded my father, let's put it that way, <laughs> that going to Santiago was, um, it made sense. So, um, and then I, I lived in Santiago um, <laughs> for a number of years. I studied uh, law at uh, the University of Chile, law school. How, how did you come up to that realization that you wanted to be a lawyer? Anyone in your family was a lawyer? Uh, not really. Sort of a family of engineers, uh, I would say. Uh, this is always, um, I suppose, people assume that because I was uh, argumentative as a child, <laughs> uh, that uh, law was um, something um, I would be suitable to doing. Um, uh, And, and that was true. I mean, so, so my mother would say, oh, you will be a lawyer. You're always arguing. So, but, but then, um, of course, um, more seriously, it, it was, um, I had um, I really liked writing. Uh, I enjoyed um, that sort of things. had very good grades, uh, particularly uh, in relation to language. So Spanish language also had, a, um, also enjoyed um, English. So um, that was part of the, the reasons, saying, look, I like writing. I enjoy reading. Um, what would be a good profession with, with that skill set? Uh, and, and then one, one option was um, journalism, yeah. and the other one, uh, uh, law. But a legal career was seen by my family as something perhaps... Uh, more secure. More secure, more stable. <laughs> and, and, so, and it was a combination of things, but I re was really interested in, in, in that side of things, sort of uh, human sciences, sort of history, uh, and so on. So, so I, th I think it came uh, natural to me as a choice. And, well, I don't regret. What, uh, what were the early interest uh, fields that did you saw when you joined uh, the law school? So uh, <clears throat> this is an interesting question. I, I suppose... Um, You go with the flow, I suppose. Yeah. When you start, you, you don't know much. Um, I didn't have, so so no um, lawyers in my um, immediate family. family. So that, um, I met some lawyers before, but not immediate family. So so a bit of a, <clears throat> um, an unknown. It was more like um, to, to experiment, and and some of the areas, of course, I liked. Uh, um, Roman law, I found it interesting <laughs> because it was difficult. I like difficult things, apparently. And also um, the, 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 history, um, the side of history that it has. Um, Which is, that is like more on the civil law tradition. And now you're practicing common law. Yeah, well, I, I practice sort of a, a hybrid thing so yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. So I do both uh, common law, civil law. Uh, it, it is an interesting career. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, back in the day... Uh, So what I'm doing now is you would have never guessed yeah, what it would yeah. end up and doing. And that's uh, what I want to hear a bit more. So you liked Roman law? Well, Roman law. Then I liked uh, sort of civil law, um, uh, what we call civil law, so private law. It really, sort of one of the areas I enjoyed the most was uh, private law yeah. uh, and commercial law. So uh, um, because of um, the, I think this is always the logic, uh, uh, sort yeah. of civil law is just about, 
the civil law system is about um, abstractions and consistency. And I, I like the logic uh, behind the law. Yes. Now, common law is slightly different. Yeah. It's not yeah. that easy logical, but uh, <laughs> the, the principle, main principles are analogy. It's just yeah. because of uh, it's a very different uh, creature. It's a different animal. Uh, and uh, so adapting to that, it can be challenging. But uh, perhaps we, we, we can uh, discuss that a bit later on. <laughs> no, that's interesting that you mentioned because I'm also from a civil law tradition, but uh, life has taken me into a different direction. And I've had to study and also work with common law. But uh, so, so those were your main interests at the beginning. And then did you pursue any working experience during law school or was it after law school? Um, so you have to do some uh, so to do practical training. Um, so, so back in the day, it was six months, and did um, it, it did criminal law. So you you would uh, basically it was a very very old system in Chile. It was inquisitorial. So that has been changed, but it was so um, uh, I would say obscure, what some people would call it. Very interesting to to deal with that, but you were doing work as a sort of prosecution work and also defense work. Six months, very interesting. Um, but but I knew it was not my thing. But I did it because uh, I thought it was something useful to, to learn. Yes, experience and and you, you, you help people. So I, I did my best, and I think a good got so, uh, even though it was six months only. Good, uh, I got some good results for, for the clients we had. So that was interesting. But, but just to, to, to mention, one of the things that I, I didn't realize first, I mean, so I enjoyed sort of um, literature and enjoyed that. One of the things I really was um, liked was writing. So I discovered when I was writing my thesis that I really enjoyed writing. And that, that was something uh, I was writing about a topic that was rather obscure back in the day in Chile. It was uh, about duties of best efforts uh, and duties to achieve a specific result, which um, there was no clear position under Chilean law. And I really worked a lot. Uh, this was I, your dissertation. Yes, correct. My, my thesis dissertation. Uh, and then a, that was published as a book. Yeah, I remember when I, when I met you, I knew that you had written a book. Is this the book that... Correct, yeah, that, that's the book. And, uh, but I enjoyed it a lot. So, so then I realized, well, I like this. I like doing sort of final research. And it was a difficult topic because many people in Chile, back in the day, some authors say, well, that can't be accepted under Chilean law. It doesn't apply. And then I start digging, digging, investigating, and I said, well, look, not really. I think there's a way in which you could, without um, amending the Civil Code of Chile, you could have that um, doctrine, if you wish, under Chilean law. And, and so it, it was like a sort of, similar to a litigation exercise, where you do the litigation or arbitration, say, well, you have an issue. Some people say, well, they have positions that no, but you have very, um, try to find solid arguments yeah. to say, Well, it is a yes. And you have to play both parts. Of course, you analyze. So they're yeah. very interesting. And my conclusion, yes, you don't need to amend um, the, the Chilean Civil Code to, to uh, introduce this doctrine. And uh, I've, been, I've been told that um, that position has been now accepted okay. for a number of years. <laughs> so a former colleague of mine said, oh, that book you wrote, that was very influential. <laughs> I, said, I felt flattered. I, have, I haven't received any royalties on no. that for a long time. You know, I, I don't think it's... it's it was published by a Latin American publisher? It, it was back in the day, LexisNexis. But ah, okay. I, I don't know what happened with Lexis in Chile. But uh, okay. so, so, yeah, it was, it was um, uh, a Chilean publisher that apparently went bust. 
Yeah. Thanks to my book, probably. <laughs> no, I hope it was not that. But uh, so, yeah, so I haven't seen roy- royalties. I might have to ask you about that. <laughs> but sometimes I do, I mean, because I also double a bit in writing. Uh, and I don't really do it for the money. It's yeah. good to put it out there. And like you said, like, this became influential and that was good. A good of money would be good, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so when you write uh, sort of legal publica- publications, it's mostly to do, I mean, different things. I mean, you want to influence, uh, mm. uh, to have some outcome. Um, the other reasons profile racing, but, yeah. but rarely it would be that you would receive a lot of money out of the book. It yeah, might be that sure. people would get to know you. So it, it, it is, I think, uh, if you have the inclination to, to, to write, I think it's a good thing. It's very time-consuming. Yeah. Uh, and so that is uh, one of the issues for me. You know, I also um, uh, co-authored a book on IP arbitration. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. So this is not the only one you've written. You've yeah. written another one? or Yeah, so, so, um, yeah. so, so there's another book. I don't want to sound presumptuous, but uh, it's just like so, uh, it happened to, 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 be in a, to have the possibility to write the second book yeah. when I joined um, uh, the first law firm where... Uh, uh, when I came to London, I worked at a law firm called Bird and Bird, and I, I I worked on this as a project. So the the law firm uh, were very kind; they gave me time to to, to be um, working on this project. So, so you so were that's, working on this exclusively, uh, or well, no, I was doing part uh, part of this and also um, some uh, billable work. Yeah. So, but it was it was a fantastic opportunity, uh, and that helped me. So, so really, it, it is a, a question of having time. Yeah. Uh, and that was fantastic. So, uh, co-authored a book on IP arbitrations called uh, International Intellectual Property Arbitration. So, my co-author is. Um, uh, a well-known um, this patents lawyer, we say, called Trevor Cook. Yeah, um, he's very well known in in England. Now he's in the United States, um, and and great great learning uh, opportunity. So I say I probably was lucky, um, and I enjoyed that too because um, there was no back in the day, no comprehensive book on yeah. Um, yeah. IP arbitration in, in the English language. So it was um, a bit of a pioneer work. Um, Good. And uh, any plans to write again? Uh, but no, no, I'm, I'm busy now. It's just difficult <laughs> to be. To be honest, it's just uh, if yeah, you want to write something that is good quality, it's really, really time consuming. So it would be difficult. Uh, but but we'll see. I mean, um, but, but but now I find it being, being a partner in a law firm because of the different. Uh, which can be very demanding in yeah. many respects. Um, so, and also having a young family, sort of things change um, a bit. But uh, as I said, I mean, if you if someone has the opportunity of you writing, uh, it's something really good. You mm. learn a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's another co- commentary on the uh, WIPO rules of 2014, which uh, um, I also call for. Uh, which is available online. So it, yeah. it, it is yeah. more like um, sort of a. An analysis of um, article the by article yeah. of the arbitration rules, uh, but that, that's um, it, it, it was of course uh, time consuming, but because it's a more um, focused on specific provisions, the breadth uh, of work is not uh, as large, significant yeah. as in the um, uh, book on IP arbitration. Okay, so I'm just curious about. So you said you did this kind of like a service, social service, or what? What do you call it when you were working in in Chile? Correct. When did the bug to go abroad beat you? 
Yeah, good question. I think um, when um, so finished law school, then you do your thesis, you do um, you have the bar exam uh, and the, the, this practical training. So I completed everything and, and did very well uh, in, in those areas. And uh, um, and then we started looking for a job. Then the thing is. Uh, it, in Chile, it's not that easy, and in the meantime, so I had my own law firm with some um, uh, former, so with some uh, actually uh, colleagues from practic- this practical training. So um, we're not making a lot of money. It was an interesting experience, uh, um, and then they always say, "Well, look, I mean, it's just not that easy <laughs> to, to start by yourself, you know, uh, to have a law firm. We're not making much money myself." So I said, "Well, probably will apply." To, to find a job at a law firm. So uh, I started working at um, a very good law firm in Chile called um, Estudio Federico Yaseca. So they were doing a lot of uh, IP, but also um, <clears throat> disputes, general dispute work, and a bit of uh, transactional work. So I was doing more of the gen- a bit of IP, but also disputes work. And a lot of the clients that um, Estudio Villaseca, uh, its current name, uh, had were um, foreign companies, and it was a lot of work done in English. And then you realize, well, although I thought I spoke English, then I realized probably English was not that good. Yeah, yeah, that's common. And then you say, well, you know, I mean, just I don't feel that confident. Uh, I mean, converse to have a you know to speak uh, to have a, a chat, an informal chat is one thing, but doing work uh, in English. Uh, is different, so they say. Well, maybe it is. is, is uh, it makes sense to um, do something more, uh, and also because a lot of the clients were um, from the United States. It happens a lot in Latin America. Yeah. Perhaps now it's changing, but uh, many of the clients that are uh, still via Seca had were um, American, and so they say. Well, look, I mean, probably makes sense to do an LMA. I always wanted to do a post degree, but I was thinking first more uh, about Europe. Yeah, because of the, the 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 system, the legal system was similar to being civil law, so continental Europe, uh, to be more specific. But then I realized, well, a, a lot of clients are from America. So Maybe I need sense. to improve my English. Yeah. And I had a discussion with some people. So there, there's someone who said to me, "Well, what do you want to do? You want to focus your career on? You want to be an academic, or you want to do private practice?" And both were of interest to me. Uh, but but then I decided to say, look, maybe I, I just really like disputes work. I started doing more, more disputes work. I really enjoyed that. And I said, probably private practice. I like the thrill of private practice, although uh, uh, I like academia. So then I decided, well, uh, and he said, look, if you like private practice, um, he said, you perhaps should think about going to the United States or the United Kingdom to an LLM and try to work for one, two years. Uh, uh, at a firm there and that resonated with me so well we'll try and then sort of uh, uh, and that was sort of something that catalyzed things for me saying well look uh, maybe we'll try the United States uh, and that's what I did I, I tried the United States I got a good scholarship <laughs> the Fulbright scholarship and uh, I was admitted to Harvard so and um, said well I will take it yeah well actually this was pretty much the same advice that you gave me when I consulted you <laughs> 
So you pass it along. <laughs> yeah, so, so you always thought it was original. Yeah, so should uh, um, uh, attribute it. And just to attribute ownership, uh, if, I'm not, uh, if I remember well, um, the lawyer who said this to me is called Juan Carlos Marin, who I, I think now is in Mexico. Ah, okay. So, a Chilean lawyer, but now it's so interesting. But, uh, yeah, that's good. So then you, you went to Harvard. How was that experience? Uh, well, I really enjoyed it. I, I think it was... Um, uh, fantastic experience <clears throat> so the the talking about like a few years ago it's just that was uh oh, 2004 0405 uh, program so really enjoyed it um the, the uh so many different backgrounds people um very very clever people so my classmates uh the LM. um the environment was, was nice people were very i would say friendly but but and also um, thoughtful. So so it's not that um, uh, sort of just just to to make to draw a comparison. It was first for one month at a program at Georgetown, uh, and it was uh, it was called Foundations uh, of American Law and Legal yeah. Education, like which an was introduction. Correct. Yeah. It was paid by the Fulbright Scholarship, and and. That was a lot of partying. So, and I thought, well, that's fine. But I, to, to me, it's like, oh, well, that's fine for, for a couple of, two, couple of weeks, fine. But there was a point saying, well, look, may, maybe um, <laughs> I'm not sure um, I would like the LLM to be um, yeah. uh, all the time the same. I don't know, probably, I don't know about Georgetown is, a, is an excellent law school and it has an excellent LLM program. But it said, well, and, and Harvard was very different. I mean, the first two weeks at Harvard, people had a bit of social life. Yeah. But then after that, everyone was studying. But, but it's like people, really nice, good quality of people. And we remained friends with uh, um, uh, many of uh, my former um, Harvard classmates. Actually, my wife. Um, yeah, you met uh, your wife there. Yes, yes. <laughs> we were classmates at Harvard. So, uh, and, uh, <laughs> so Harvard changed my life yeah. in okay. many respects. Uh, are I, because when when I talked to you about uh, the possibility of going abroad to study, basically you told me the same thing. Uh, if you either you you recommended me to go either to the U.S. or to the U.K. And if I were to pick the U.S., you told me you have to go one to one of the top schools. And and I I went to to Stanford. And I really I think I felt the same way as you. It did change my life. But if I were to go back, I would do things a bit different. I'll tell you about my experience, but is there anything that you feel you could have done differently? Well, hindsight is a wonderful thing, they say. <laughs> but uh, uh, I really think um, really uh, probably the only thing is that perhaps I worry too much about things. Yeah. You know, uh, but uh, because... There was always a bit of pressure in saying just trying to find a, a job, yeah. uh, um, you know. After that, and I suppose there, there, there's a bit of that, and perhaps I should have been a, a bit more relaxed about things. I suppose you know, uh, uh, enjoy a bit more. Although I enjoyed my time there, but but uh, sometimes you, you get a bit stressed about things. Yeah. It's not. I'm not saying they shouldn't do things. It's just do the things. Do all you need to do, yeah. but without getting too stressed. I suppose that that is is something I would say. Well, maybe. But, but but you know that's natural with life because it gives you a different perspective. Yes. So but but overall, I think um, well, I can't change the past. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but I just uh, I'm trying to figure out because I often get asked about these questions, and just to the same way that you gave me some advice, I think it's important to yeah. let others know because I think that my regret is something similar to you. I worried a lot, 
I think I focused a lot on studying and I really like uh, did not uh, do much of the other. I enjoyed it, like you said, but I didn't do a lot of networking. I didn't meet other people. I didn't, I was not there to have fun. And had I give, if I had the opportunity to go back, I think I would focus more on the other without uh, disregarding that. But uh, I think it's important because you, you learn a lot just by talking to people. Yeah. And I think this is also part of this project to share some of that experience that might help uh, others in the future. Yeah, I, I entirely agree. I, th I think that that's a very, very important, le important lesson is that um, so the, the, this program is a combination of learning, but a lot is um, sort of a creating a, a network of, of contacts. And all the might sign for some people say, well, even vain so i just uh, I, I want to meet people really it is um the world is so interconnected yeah uh, and particularly you want to have an international career it is important to yeah. not to uh disregard the social aspect of, of these programs so so and, and that's very important because uh and continue actually to to um continue growing that network because you, you don't know when that network is going to be helpful to you. Yes. So one example, I, I'm doing some work uh, in Italy, have done um, energy charter treaty work against Italy, <laughs> uh, I must say. Uh, and part of uh, the efforts are trying to secure further work. And, and I'm, I'm with a former classmate from Harvard. We're working together. So he's Italian, he's based there. And he had some good connections. So, so that helps. So you never, you never know. Um, what, what, what's um, going to help. This being said, I, I think sometimes people misunderstand um, so networking. I think it is important that you, uh, n you have a, a new network of people with people you like. Yeah. So sometimes uh, you, you shouldn't be forcing that. If you say, if you like someone, that is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, keep that relationship. There might be people you don't like, they don't like you, you don't gel. I don't think you need to force things. I think it has to flow naturally. But with the people you have um, a report, a special connection, follow that. And have, that is real, the, the, the valuable networking. It, to me, sort of with people you like, they yeah. like you, so have common ground. And that, 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 those are the, 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 the relationships to north you. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you Sometimes because also when people tell you network, you feel a lot of pressure, especially yeah. if you are not... Uh, natural to do these kind of things. Uh, so I think that, that's really good advice. So after Harvard, you, you worked in the US? Yes, I stayed for, for, for almost one year working at a law firm called Finnegan Henderson. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a very good um, firm. They do a lot of intellectual property work. So, uh, and then after that is when you came to Geneva. Uh, it's to WIPO, yes, yes, correct. Yeah, and so, so, so maybe uh, have mentioned IP a number of times, and I think th that's an interesting thing about how you can develop a career internationally. It has to be incremental, because um, even when I was in Chile, I liked dispute resolution when I was working at Villaseca, but it happened that Villaseca, Studio Villaseca, had a lot of uh, IP. Uh, work, IP clients. So that helped me find the position at Finnegan because I asked uh, Villaseca, well, can you help me? They liked me at Villaseca. Uh, and so they put me in touch with other firms and, and one of the firms that, that was interested in having someone from Latin America um, was Finnegan Henderson. But it's an IP firm. 
although I was I wanted to do to do a transition to international arbitration, mm. I said, well, look, you have to do it little by little, so yes. it can be baby steps. So it was like, well, uh, then I worked one year, almost one year at Finnegan, had a really good relationship with um, a partner who was doing a lot of work for him, and he asked me, well, would you like to stay with us? And I said, well, I can't stay because I have um, this Fulbright um, scholarship uh, has a special visa. So you can't stay for 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 my, uh, beyond one year after yes. your program. It depends on the length of your program. So otherwise, you need to uh, get a waiver and so on. And and they say, well, look, uh, maybe I would like to go to Europe. And uh, and then he put me in touch with the WIPO Arbitration and Mediation Center. He recommended me, and at the WIPO Center, they needed someone uh, with Spanish language skills. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and well, I talked to this partner, I mentioned uh, to his partner, I would like to do arbitration. And they said, well, have you thought about the WIPO Arbitration and Mediation Center? So, and that was a very nice transition because so the IP side of things helped me. So, so, so when you're trying to develop a career internationally, I think you have to start from your strengths and the contacts you have. And perhaps then, you know, little by little can be changing. So nowadays, I continue doing um, IP arbitration, now sitting as a sole arbitrator in a case, I have some, some matters, but I do general commercial arbitration and uh, a lot of investment treaty arbitration, yeah. which is very, very different from yeah. what I was doing uh, 10 years ago. But that, I reached there incrementally. Yeah. And I think that is important to, for someone to be patient. Yeah, it's true that you mentioned that because sometimes, uh, well, there's, the incremental aspect to it, and it's also the the way of life, like the opportunities that you seek and the opportunities that you're granted. You did get that like vein into arbitration, intellectual property, and then it took you to different places. Correct. And uh, at WIPO, you stayed for one year? Yes. You did arbitration at WIPO? Yes. Uh, domain yes. names and arbitration? Uh, domain names, but also arbitration. Yes. It was uh, um, very insistent. Yeah. <laughs> on and doing uh, uh, arbitration work. And Because that's really your area of interest. Uh, yes, I was interested in that, yeah. And you only stayed for one year, which is when I met you. Yes, yes. I stayed for one year because um, it might be because of my shortcomings. I don't speak French, yeah. although I should, because uh, I speak <laughs> Spanish. But anyway, I just... Uh, didn't uh, learn much French. And, and really, to, to uh, I thought, well, look, if I wanted to stay in Geneva, I probably would need to, to learn French. And then I had an attraction really to go back to um, a, a common law jurisdiction. And then I, I was um, keen on... on uh, it staying in Europe, I couldn't... Uh, because I didn't want to go through a visa waiver um, uh, process in the United States. So I said, well, look... Um, uh, why I don't go to London? So early on, I started talking to uh, my, my colleagues, uh, more senior colleagues at WIPA, saying, well, I would like to go to London. Uh, and uh, there was an opportunity, and of course I took it. I mean, th- there's an element of luck, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that, that's undeniable. But, of course, you have to help luck. So, so it's just a situation that was just really um, doing the best uh, quality work I could. So, so, so people at WIPO liked me. But then I said, well, look, uh, n- nothing against WIPO, but I, I, I think I would like to go to private practice. And, and uh, it, it worked out. I mean, as I said, I mean, what, what are the chances of that happening? I don't know, maybe low, but yeah. it happened. It's important that you mentioned that there's like a big aspect that has to do with luck. But 
it's also about the opportunities that you see. And I'm sure that you've also tried many things that did not succeed. Oh, and of course. That, and that's, uh, I think that's also an important message because yeah. people get disappointed whenever they try something and it doesn't work out. But you just have to keep at it. And yeah. Yeah, no, no, true, absolutely. I mean, uh, sort of, yeah, I, I, I interviewed some of the firms in, in uh, London. I traveled to London to get nothing. So it's a big effort. Yeah, yeah. It, it is part of, uh, of that. You have to be um, sort of uh, have a, a broad net yeah. open. It's sort of uh, really broad to, to capture something. And I think sometimes it might not be perfect. It might not be really what you were thinking you, you would be doing. But... But if you want to have an international career, uh, it, it is important to be flexible. So, and um, yeah, in my case, it worked out. But uh, yeah, but failure is something that happens all the time yeah, all the in time. an international career, even, you, even if you have uh, your own career. So failure is part of life. So, yeah. so one has just to embrace failure and see what, 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 what is, why I failed, what, what did I do wrong, and yeah. just learn. So, so but yeah, there's a lot of that. Uh, and so you, you said uh, apparently you wanted to hear some anecdotes about things about <laughs> failure, but not a personal uh, anecdote of mine, but just to see how things work. When I was at Harvard, I, ha- I had a classmate from um, from India, yeah, very nice guy, bright, absolutely bright, and uh, but he was very keen on securing a position mm-hmm. in the United States. In the United States, uh, when you send your application. Uh, law firms are very, uh, I would say, they're very educated because they always send you back a rejection letter. Yeah. Okay? So, uh, uh, and uh, this, this classmate of mine, he, uh, well, to get a position, he sent 400 applications. Oh, my God. He got a position, <laughs> 400. So, so he said, 400, he said to everyone, everybody, do 400 applications now but he was very also uh, but he, he would insist he told us that he sent 20 applications to the same law firm <laughs> and they sort of different after, offices or what? Uh, different people different offices <laughs> everything and always he received a rejection letter but at some point he said to us um, that he received a letter from the law firm with a, with a schedule a table saying dear sir you have written to us the following times, and then the table said, "You wrote to us this date, this date, this date. So rejection letter sent to you, this date." And the table went all the twenty times he sent yeah. the letter, so like saying, Reje- "Letter received this date. Let, let rejection letter to you sent this date." So after the table said, "Like, please stop, stop sending us letters," <laughs> but he got the position he With wanted. Them. No, with them, I suppose. You know, I don't know. <laughs> so, so that that would be. But, but the thing is, he got a position yeah. with a very good law firm, and he's a partner at the law firm now in the United States. So, oh, uh, and so, and that shows you. I mean, sort of people. It's just say, well, I applied. Sort of some people uh, approach me, say, no, I have sent twenty applications. Say, no, twenty applications. You have been turned down. No, no, no. Yeah. Remember, 400. After 400 <laughs> applications and 20 applications to the same law firm, you fail, well, maybe, maybe it's difficult. This yeah. is a really nice story that actually pretty much encapsulates this. And, and it's true because uh, sometimes you don't know what's going to happen and you don't know where the opportunities are going to come from, but you have to look for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to hear a bit uh, about how how's life in London as a, as a lawyer. Yeah. How... You're now a partner, but you worked at a couple of law firms before, or what? Yes, so I have. I have. Um, uh, so, 
uh, it depends, I suppose, on your background. I think uh, being ultimately a Latin American lawyer, uh, so having a career in London is not easy, hmm. particularly to get to a senior level. Because uh, in the UK, um, in general, there's no much Latin American work, not that much or, uh, or Latin America related work or work in Spanish. So really, you have to survive doing anything uh, you can. Sort of, uh, um, so, so that that is sometimes you don't play you don't play to your strengths. Yeah. Uh, so you have to adapt and really sort of endure. So um, so that, that as I say, I mean, London is a difficult place. It's a difficult, but the United States too. So so I mean, I'm saying the legal profession is difficult. I think. Everywhere in the world nowadays, it's very competitive, and there are a lot of lo- loads of lawyers. Yeah. So, so, but what, what I think is that London is particularly difficult. I would say for um, uh, Latin American lawyers, in the sense, what I said, there's not that much work. So you have to be competing with lawyers who actually might have a strength in the area that you're working in. Uh, and you cool. don't have anything additional yeah. or of added value to provide. Yeah, I mean, so we're doing cases sort of under English law. Yeah. And so although I'm qualified in England, and I transferred my, my qualification from New York. Uh, but it's different. You know, it's yeah. just uh, uh, English is not your mother tongue. Mm-hmm. So it's at, some, at some point you catch up. And, yeah. and I think probably uh, now I'm okay. But, but for, for some time it was difficult. And also yeah. English law is, can be complex because you know, all the cases... Uh, and even the, the 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 mindset can be different. So so um, not easy. So it's a bit of um you you do what you need to do, and um, and that was uh, part of that is just you need sometimes to change law firms because the opportunities um, uh, are there. Sort of sometimes, for example, a law firm doesn't do the work you want. Yeah. Uh, some sometimes uh, the, the 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 simply not work for you. Or, or, or sometimes the pipeline doesn't look great, and I sort of I, I think um, although I, I don't necessarily like changing, I had to in order to progress my career. Yeah. I had to change uh, law firms. Um, but I stayed like a, you know uh, so before Clinico stayed at three law firms. That was uh, within a ten year time frame. So it's not that I was changing every year <laughs> because that, that is something. Of course, instead of a, 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 so it stayed three four. Three years, sort of. It was like that, sort of uh, um, around three years uh, at one firm, then four at the other one, three at the other one, and uh, but. Um, but that uh, that is uncommon, then. No, no, no. In London is, is fine. I think I think what people would um, say, so if you change very quickly, that can be an issue. Um, say, for example, you stay a year less than a year at a law firm. There might be questions why. Correct. Yeah. That, that can be seen as a red flag. Uh, but one, if it's only once, that's not an issue necessarily. But, but if that happens sort of two, three times, very short um, uh, uh, time at the law firm, that, that, that is an issue if you try to find a position. So, so that's why it's, it's, it's not bad to change, but you have to be careful yeah. how often you do it. And, and, and sort of in my case, uh, I, I, so if there's a, there's a narrative, say you're interviewing for a, for a job, if there's a narrative, there's an explanation for that, and that's plausible, that's fine. So you shouldn't be afraid uh, of changing law firms if you think the place is not the right place for you, there's no work, or, or sometimes you, have, uh, you work with very difficult people. So it's just, it's just fine. So uh, there's a, like an explanation, a narrative, but first to get the... 
the interview, for example, if you send an application and they see a lot of changes in your employers in a really short period of time, they might not even give you the opportunity to give your story. That's right. That's right. I, th I think one needs to be careful with, uh, uh, in terms of moving. Um, too often, uh, one needs to be careful. Uh, but as I said, it shouldn't be if after so a couple of years you realize you're in the wrong place or, or, or life is too difficult because yeah. you have someone who maybe your supervisor is not always very sensible, then, then I think you, you have to um, take a view on things. So people say life is too short, and that, that's true. I mean, sometimes if you're really um, suffering... Uh, and you don't like what you're doing, uh, I think it's worth thinking just, yeah. uh, or, or just changing firms or even thinking about like career, maybe just make a career uh, change, a more dramatic change. Yeah. And I think, I think one shouldn't be too, uh, sort of uh, dogmatic about these things. Yeah. And uh, how does it work like when you move to a law firm? Was there a vacancy or was it something that you seeked uh, through your contacts, through your, the people that you knew? Yeah, so it, it depends, I suppose. Sort of to, to go to London was through um, the internal context yeah. of recommendation from WIPO. WIPO helped me, uh, so I owe them a lot. <laughs> so, uh, so and, do I. Yes, so, so uh, they were very, very generous people. And um, But after that, so, so one, a friend of mine says, Why, once you're part of the system... It is easier to move internally. So after that, I moved uh, using agents. So in, in I don't know in, in other countries, but in, in the UK, uh, you have well, headhunters or agents. So they put you in touch to say, would you be interested in moving? And they put you in touch with law firms that are looking for people. Yeah. So th that, to me, has worked better than direct contact. It's interesting, but sometimes direct contact, contact is fine. But um, in my experience, agents... Uh, can be very helpful because they have a uh, they, they know about the vacancies and sometimes you don't have time yeah. to go through things. I think a combination of, of things can, can be direct contact um, a, and using agents as a partner law firm. Of course, we, we prefer direct contact because uh, agents uh, get a commission. Yeah. So, but I would say um, for someone who's in the UK, perhaps isn't an agent. It's not a bad idea. That's what it did. But also personal contact. Okay. Pretty very. I, I, I think I don't know. In other countries, it depends on the country, I suppose. Uh, I'm just curious uh, a bit about. Uh, you mentioned that you met your wife in in Harvard, yeah. and then she, she, of course, she went to with you to London. How is it to balance like uh, the life of two professionals? So you have your yeah. your work environment, and you also have your family life and. Uh, your wife is not from the UK. You're also foreigners in, in the UK. How do you manage to balance all of this? Well, I, I said, but it, it is difficult, uh, to be honest. It's not easy. Uh, sometimes you have to, um, well, if you have family, try to bring family. So, so it, it, is, it is a combination. You, you really are, um, you end up uh, all the time, you juggle with things. Yeah. Sort of, uh, you have to juggle a lot. But um, I, I think... You need to be very well organized, uh, and ha have um, so sometimes it's not very romantic, but I suppose you have a more <laughs> more like a sort of type of professional relationship. Also, as a family, get organized, yeah. and with your wife, say, look, do a lot of good planning, uh, give priority to important things because really you don't have enough time uh, to dealing with every single thing. So things you you have to 
not not to say, but I'm not, I don't have time, I'm going to do it. So uh, I, I really planning, get well organized, priorities. And there are even things that are, so for example, um, sometimes I use a, what they call a virtual assistants. You know, there's some sometimes based in Pakistan, India, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for things that are research and things that are going on holiday, things like that. Uh, it's not very expensive. You can ask them and to help you. With the, yeah. So, so I think you really need to be create well organized and creative. But uh, yeah, but it's not easy. Uh, yeah. uh, sort of, I would say London is not an, um, that um, family friendly. <laughs> probably not because it's a really big city. This uh, people are competitive, like any sort of very very big city. So. Um, so yes, I think uh, there are a few things you need to do, but but um, sometimes you have to accept that uh, things are not as rosy as one would have wanted. And I think it's also important to say that having a strong, stable family life also affords you opportunities professionally that yeah. you would otherwise uh, not have. For example, your your wife, being a lawyer, also understands some of the demands that you you have, and uh, I assume that she is. Uh, Supportive in that regard. Yeah, I agree. I, th I think it, it is. It is uh, so, so they can understand a bit more how things work uh, and why you have to work uh, really so long hours. So uh, and, and weekends and so. So that 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 helps. I think that understanding and I, I suppose this is all. It's just having good communication. Yeah. Uh, trying to, as I said, I mean, just to be pragmatic about things. Uh, 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 that that is important. And and now that you are a partner. How do you see your role change from when you were an, uh, an associate? What are the main differences, your main challenges? Yeah, I, I suppose, uh, so, so as a partner, of course, you have to tell other people what they need to do. And uh, whereas as an associate, you probably do what you're told. So you get some guidance. Uh, and sometimes when people uh, find the transition challenging from, from being told what to do, which is in a way easier. Rather than saying, well, you have to work out what needs to be done. So, uh, and uh, I suppose because I've been a lawyer for a long time, that, that happened naturally. Mm. So, and, and I'm a previous law firm, I was operating in many respects as a partner. So, so that, that the transition was not that difficult. Uh, but of course, there are challenges because um, perhaps not necessarily on the work side of things, but it's just the, the generating work. Yeah. And I think sort of uh, historically, uh, they say that they were, uh, have you heard about sort of um, uh, finders, minders, and grinders? Yeah. So, so historically, uh, they say that you could be a partner before, until, until 2005 or something, before the financial crisis, you could mm -hmm. be either of them, sort of uh, a finder, a minder, or a grinder. So uh, nowadays, they say every partner law firm has to be a finder. You can be a very good technical lawyer, but if you're not a finder, you, you're not going to succeed as a yeah. partner. So in the old days, if you were um, uh, a grinder, as they call it, someone that's a very technical lawyer, you could be a partner, but have zero client contact. You don't like con uh, clients. Perhaps you could get away with that yeah. because you were a, a really good lawyer. But now things have changed. So, so that is the aspect they say, look, you have to go out to, to find work because uh, what happens is that Sometimes people don't know, but partners get fired all the time, you know. <laughs> uh, and so, so it, it is. It is a a um, it's an, a, another ladder, but you start from the bottom in a way. And, and part of that is doing great work, 
quality, get yeah. organized your teams, but also bring in work, bring in work in, which it's a challenge because yeah. sometimes people who go to become lawyers, they become lawyers because they like the law. They like the technical aspects. Not the other aspect. Yeah, uh, but, but sadly, maybe just uh, things have changed. Yeah. And particularly in sort of the United States and the UK. After the crisis, I think it Yes, like, it has changed. Yeah. And I think everywhere. I mean, in many countries, you still uh, perhaps have a more traditional approach to law. But that, ha that will change everywhere, it seems yeah. to me. That partners really, the, the, one of the key aspects is finding new work. Yeah. And that dovetails with discussion we're having about networking so, so it, it really for, for young people saying look if you really want to follow that path of the law firm and you would like to become a partner of the law firm you have to accept that you will have to do a lot of networking and perhaps something I, I, I that is helpful say start doing networking early yeah, yeah, yeah. don't forget about being a good lawyer yeah. but do your networking early because you have then sort of a robust network of contacts is going to be very helpful when you become a partner. So, uh, and sometimes he's, no one tells you those things sometimes. It's like, yeah. and then you say, well, look, looking back, I said, well, could have done a bit more. But well, I mean, uh, you can, of course, um, you can catch up, but it's better if you did it uh, from day one. Yeah. So, so that perhaps for my advice would be saying, particularly for people, people who, even though they really like the law, but they think it was, well, maybe we'd like to become a partner law firm. Not everyone wants to be a, become a partner of the law firm because uh, it has some issues, you know, it's not perfect. But, but th start thinking early on about, like, how, you know, th that network, your profile, and so on. I, it's really good to hear this, and I don't think this is exclusive to lawyers or lawyers with the intention of becoming partner. I think this is cuts across everywhere. Even if you are a regular staff member in any organization, You have to think about the future and you have to, I don't know how to say it, I, I'm really interested in personal branding. And I think this is a bit of, of that. You have to network, you have to let other people know what you're doing. But you also have to, as a prerequisite, produce quality work. But mm -hmm. you don't have to uh, disregard all of these other aspects of, of your professional life. Yeah, I entirely agree. I suppose uh, I'm a bit biased <laughs> because uh, I pursued the, the, the law firm pattern, but it is true. It, it applies to uh, any um, field because sometimes if, for example, you want to leave um, private practice, maybe you can want to have your own business, but that network's going to help you. Yeah. So, but as I said, but try to, do you need to find that ne networking sort of in, in a sort of honest way yeah, yeah, say, with, with people yeah. you like? Yeah. So, so sometimes, uh, so it shouldn't be forced. It shouldn't be people you, you don't like to be around because uh, people realize that it, it sort of, uh, and it, it is a pain. So, uh, <laughs> but have, have those uh, good relationships and, and, and keep them. And, and so, It takes time. I mean, sometimes it's just you exhausted, you know, after um, a long day of work and then you say, well, just look at LinkedIn or something. But uh, it is important uh, yeah. and, and more, more, more important because we, as it, as it looks like it's going to happen, a lot of work will be uh, replaced by machines. It yeah. would be artificial intelligence coming. And so what would be the most important thing for, for younger people, younger lawyers, is that the soft skills, and you know, part of that is the networking, but soft skills would be more important because a lot of the legal research 
It's going to be done by machines, yeah. you know. So, so that is document uh, review. All these things will be replaced. So, so really, the human factor. So, so, so I think one of the key areas for um, any lawyer, but particularly for the new um, generations, is soft skills, yeah. meaning good uh, relationship skills, being personable, um, uh, friendly. Um, uh, also awareness of mental health. So those are things that are, um, will become more important. Yes, you're right. And I think that we're already seeing the effects of that. And I think it's going to even change much faster than we expect. But even before that, there's a pressing change that is going to happen soon. Uh, I'm talking about Brexit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to get too much into that, but how do you think this is going to affect your job? Yeah, um, so, so yes, I mean, really no one knows what's going to happen. I mean, uh, I'm a disputes lawyer, and a lot of what, what, I, of what I do, particularly on the investment treaty side of things, uh, is related to political risk. So it might be that could be some additional further work So we're advising, uh, for example, personally, I'm advising some investors in the UK who are worried not necessarily about Brexit, but more like about political change. Yeah. So you could see uh, that there might be some opportunities. But on the other hand, there are some potential issues. For example, one of the, uh, um, for example, my law firm, Klein Co., we have a very big team of Latin American lawyers in London. In my group, it might, it might be just around, we have around 12 Latin Americans of a group of 25 lawyers, my yeah. arbitration group. Many of those lawyers have EU passports. Uh, and so that, that uh, is very easy to bring people in with language skills. So for example, we have cases in Portuguese. Many Brazilians have uh, EU passports. They come to London very easy to have them. Cases in, in in Spanish, same thing. We can bring in people, Latin Americans with EU passports or Spaniards. Yeah. So if um, all the system, the visa system becomes more uh, difficult, that that it, it could have an impact in the sense of saying, well, look, it would be more difficult to find talent. Yeah. And probably, and that that we say, well, maybe we can't, we wouldn't be able to do all what we do from London now because we we can pretty much have any language skills we want without needing uh, to go through all the visa paperwork. So that, Especially that, if you already have the infrastructure for it, you have like a global reach with your offices. Correct. So, so, so that, that to me sort of more, more, so in terms of finding people probably would be more difficult depending upon how restrictive the visa restrictions are. So, so now it's just, it's just fantastic. I mean, you have people from anywhere uh, who have a EU pass, an EU passport and they can work immediately. Sort of uh, come, you need someone. And so, so that, that, and that has given, I think, to, to, to my mind an advantage um, sort of to the UK because, of course, what, what the beauty of the UK is they speak, they speak English. Yeah. And so we have most people Speak English, so so it's not that difficult to have, bring people to the UK, who from anywhere in the world, because a lot of these people have uh, good language. Good, uh, they can speak English, and and sort of they can uh, live there without no without problems. You know, so in other cities, um, if you don't speak the local language, it's more difficult sometimes. 
I mean, the same. It's a local language is English, but not everyone. Everyone speaks in. Uh, oh, they say French is more more difficult to find people who speak French, and so so I think. Uh, I suppose on that side, it could be an issue. I mean, living in the UK, of course, uh, is also uh, at a personal level. Um, the uncertainty, this uncertainty doesn't help, you know, house prices, you know. Uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's a difficult time. Yeah. Uh, and we, I'm hoping that uh, something um, sensible will happen. But uh, yeah, I think we're all hoping for that. I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm from Mexico, and I think that we are used to having political risk throughout our lives. And I think that that for many years was reserved for certain parts of the world. I think now no one is exempt of these political risks. Yeah. It happens even in the most developed countries. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, uh, what, what, uh, before we conclude, what, what do you see as the future? What, what's next for you? Yeah. Well, this is like an an interview question. So, what will you be doing? <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I just curious. Yeah. Uh, you want to continue yeah. doing your practice in arbitration? Yeah. You want to expand in other areas? Uh, yeah, yeah. And no, I was joking. And no, no, of course, uh, um, no. That's uh, it's always interesting. I mean, sort of uh, as I mentioned, sort of the becoming a partner. So, I became a partner uh, a year and a half ago, and so it, it is a new. Ladder, and so you, you you go and try to climb that ladder. So so it is part of that. So that is a challenge to say uh, focus on developing my practice, continue doing um, good work. So uh, and uh, and really it is that sort of is that a part of saying look, um, be a good finder too, be continue being um, a good lawyer, but also the management side of things is something I'm very interested. In developing, so continue yeah. developing as a partner, but particularly say the management side of things because um, I think um, sometimes, and I'm, I'm not talking about uh, my, my law firm because I think we do do very well in terms of management. But what you see across law firms is that um, lawyers tend to be not always very good managers. So, so that and is. They don't teach this in law school. Correct. <laughs> so, so that's one of the things. They're saying, like, uh, for myself, saying, saying, look, I, I would like to, to focus on that management, being a good manager, in terms of soft skills and everything. That is one of the areas I'm focusing on, uh, and because, and that is a good business practice. So, yeah. so, and I think, I think one of the, the the challenges of the legal profession, I suppose, is just becoming more professional in a way, because um, many law firms lawyers are good lawyers technical lawyers and good maybe to find clients but sometimes one area that that needs uh, more attention I suppose is the management side of things and I think uh, <clears throat> sort of um, uh, sort of big four accountancy firms probably have done a better job than law firms and mm-hmm. I think it's part of that uh, one of my focuses is like how can I personally just develop that and, and maybe just um, uh, help with that so that that's one of the areas I would develop and uh, and also, of course, the, the new technologies. I'm very interested in see how things will play out, artificial intelligence, uh, and those changes. And I think we need to be prepared yeah. uh, for, for for changes. So, so really, I'm, I'm preparing. Sort of part of it is just being a good partner, just get um, a, <clears throat> sort of things right there. But also uh, see, seeing the challenges of the future, sort of being mindful about that. And in the long term, I suppose. Um, uh, of course, I, I still have a, 
a few years ahead of me, <laughs> uh, the legal profession. But um, may, maybe I would like to, to do uh, more work as an arbitrator. Yeah. So most of the work uh, that I do is uh, as counsel. But now uh, I'm sitting um, as a sole arbitrator in a in um, in IP dispute. Uh, and I think probably uh, as uh, I get more gray hair, have some, uh, probably do more work as uh, an arbitrator. Yeah. But, but for now, enjoy, so I enjoy doing work as counsel. But let's see, I mean, get, getting to the, the point in, I don't know, in a few years' time to do more work as an arbitrator, combining both, of course. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, it seems that you have a lot of things on your plate at the moment. Yeah. But I'm really glad that we got this opportunity to talk. Uh, you really enlighten us with some of your experience. And I really want to thank you for the advice you gave me. And uh, I, I, I think that, like you said, like, uh, it's not easy, but you have to look for the opportunities. And I, I just want to say thank you. Well, thank you. Well, thank you, Rolfo, for, for having me today. And I hope um, the experiences I've shared uh, with you and with the audience uh, would be useful. Um, as I said, uh, for, for young people wanting to do um, pursue a career, an international career in law, it's not easy. But if um, you, you carry on, you do what you need to do, I think you will find something. Uh, things will work out eventually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, well, thank thank you. you very much. Thank you, Rolfo.